We have some fun things that are going on at Timberline. We've kicked off the new year. If you have a program when you came in, turn it over to the backside and follow along. I want to jump right into this outline. There's a few fill-in-the-blanks there. I really am enjoying the beginning of 2018. Sometimes I shake my head because I can't believe it's 2018. And then I think, well, it's just not going to ever go any slower. It just seems to go faster and faster. We have given you an invitation it looks like this. If you haven't picked one up yet, I, they may have some more guest services. These are our 14ers for 2018. If you're new around Timberline, I always like to take the first two or three weekends of the year and challenge you. I'm challenging you personally. I'm challenging you as a church that we can climb these four 14ers this year. So what does it look like? Let me just refresh your memory. We're going to love our neighborhood. We're going to really do some things unique this year to love the people who live nearby and all over our community, and especially with our guests, which I'll be talking about in a little bit. We are going to be continuing to be persistent in prayer. You know, if you've ever had a, a passion or a desire to join a prayer team, we're going to have more prayer gatherings. We're going to do another 24-hour prayer vigil. We're just, we're just really interested, not just in doing works for God, but in being intuitive, even like today. Just stopping and pausing and having more reflection time and praying for one another. Number three, we're people of story. And we're very excited to share some stories with you of people who are making a difference. Um, testimonies that God has done great things in people's lives. And then we're committed to generous giving. Time, talent, and treasure. As God blesses you and encourages you, um, we want you to just say, God, I'm, I'm yours. Everything I own is yours. And that's the kind of surrender that allows you to live in the fullness of God. And it allows churches like Timberline to have more doors open uh, to us in opportunity for ministry. When I think of this message, number one in your outline simply is this. What makes others grateful for you? What are the traits in your life that when someone says your name, they go, oh, you know what I like about that person? And they name it. I could flip the question and it might be easier for you because if, if you tend to say, oh, there's lots of things people are grateful for <laughs> in my life, it seems a little ego-centered, doesn't it? But if I flipped it and said, what are the traits in other people's lives that you are grateful for? That it might be easier to come up with a list. Paul, we're about to read from Philippians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or any device that you want to use. It'll be on the screen as well. But Paul is a guy who is a big name in the New Testament. He, he's written about half of the New Testament. Saul was persecuting the church. He has this moment on the road to Damascus where he's blind for three days and God totally kind of renovates his life. And, and now he, he's become this church planter, evangelist, missionary, and he's going all over the place making a difference. But he, he falls in love with the people of Philippi. Now, the letter to the Philippians is very different than the letters to the church in Corinth, for instance. Because the Philippians didn't have a lot of fixing to do. They loved him from the beginning. They sent him offerings, care baskets. They prayed for him. It's like, it's like they really were his family. The, you know, the letter to Corinth is like, stop cheating on your wife. You know, stop uh, suing everybody. <laughs> Pay attention. Kick that guy out who's involved in that sin. He's correcting, correcting. This letter doesn't have that. It has a lot of love and care. Let me just read Philippians 1 verse 3. Powerful thought here. Every time 
I think of you, I give thanks to my God. You think he's exaggerating? Of course not. He's speaking the truth. Every time I think of you, think of a person right now in your life that you go, when I think of them, every time I am just so grateful to God that that person is in my life. And then think about why. Like you have some room, I think, in your program. Just write down, what are the traits that make you thankful for that person? Take a moment, write a word down, write two words down. What would those words be? I, I have the privilege of having a great staff here. We have a great team at Timberline. And so we have chapel every Wednesday from about 8.30 to 9.30 uh, over here in our youth area. And it's all of our employees. And so um, they, I think they like chapel. I mean, we pay them to come, so that's kind of a good thing. Uh, they better like it, right? But I think it's a lot more than that. There really is a wonderful connection there. And I asked them this question in light of coming into this weekend, what are the traits that make you thankful for somebody? And here's some of the words that I wrote down that they said. Kindness, helpful, caring, thoughtful. You know, we, we like people who are thoughtful. We, we remember their thoughtfulness. Integrity, dependability. That, that's got to be huge on the list. Predictable came up. You know, someone that's not going with the moods of every hour, but someone you count on, they're always the same, and they're solid. Those, so whatever your traits are, Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. And how did I get these traits? Do you think these traits can be developed in your life, or are you just born with them? What do you think? Do you think, do you think someone can just be born as a grump, and they're just going to be a grump? their whole life. Don't say their name or look at them, okay? Um, they're just grumpy. Well, do they have to be? Now, I realize there are certain things about us. Our DNA, our, our genetic connection means that we're not going to probably change certain things. And we do have personalities. There are known different personality types. And so that is true. I get that. But when it comes to these words, when it comes to things like thoughtfulness or kindness or predictability. Can I have a sort of a discipline in my life that says, I'm going to be that. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to let that trait come into my life and I'm going to work at it. How many believe we can? I believe we can too. And so let's do that as individuals and as a church. I don't think you're just born with these things. I have a friend who I deeply love and respect. And she's going to come up here right now. Jen McLean is her name. And she runs, she's the director of the Alpha Center here in town. And it's for, you know, crisis pregnancies and the challenges that they deal with. And so I've included Jen in my message this weekend because, first of all, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi, good morning. She's, she's a joy to be around. And I so appreciate, you know, when I think of the Alpha Center, I always thank God for them. They're dealing with tough situations in people's lives that are turning points in their lives. Tell us a little bit about it. We appreciate you coming. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Good morning, church family. You guys are brave, courageous, snowbound drivers. Yes. Well done. Uh, the view is way different. I am a back row sitter 
over there in our living room. And so this is a lot different. And so bear with me if I get a little uh, stumbly. Um, but I don't, I don't know how many of you know of the Alpha Center or are familiar with our ministry and the work that we do here in town. Uh, but we are the only Christian medical clinic that provides sexual health care to the city of Fort Collins. And it's really our privilege to provide care for anybody and everybody who finds themselves in need of safe, loving and professional care in the midst of a crisis. Uh, and because of partnerships with so many people, including Timberline, uh, all of our services are free. And, and so we, we try to remove barriers to getting, to getting that help that we find ourselves so desperately needing. Uh, the heart of, of the Alpha Center being a Christian medical clinic is really connecting people back to the Father heart of God and helping them to recognize that they are a beloved of Jesus and that he longs to be in relationship with them kind of no matter what their current circumstance. Like they, they were, we're all so valuable to him. Um, I look at my own life and there are certainly pieces of, of my own story. Some are chapters, some are just paragraphs that I think, oh man, that is not maybe my proudest moment. That is maybe not a moment that I hope everybody ever learns about. And yet, when I think about those places, they're also places where I recognize that God has done the biggest work in and oftentimes um, with his work through me. And, and I am who I am today because of those pieces of my story. And I'm reminded that he is all about refinement. He's all about continual growth. It's like we get to go to heaven and then we arrive. I don't get to arrive while I'm here. That's, that's, he's, he keeps working on me. Uh, the Alpha Center is a place of stories. Uh, we hear stories every, every single day that we're open, and, and, and they are rooted in hurt and guilt, shame, brokenness, isolation. Um, and I don't know about you, but those, those sound like hard stories, and they are hard stories. And, and when we look at the Bible, the Bible is full of stories that have those as the initial descriptor. And God redeems all of those stories. That's his job. That's what he loves doing in our lives. Our story, if you're in the midst of a crisis, it's not over. It's still just being written. And, and we have to trust that he is in the midst of that making. Uh, we get to see stories that are hard at the beginning and through some time with, with Alpha Center and, and hopefully some life-affirming choices and support, we see stories that become lives that are redeemed, they're loved. They know they're valued. They understand that they have courage and they're brave and there's compassion. And ultimately, we hope that they are reconciled to Christ and they're changed forever. So if somebody that you know or maybe you have need for uh, loving, caring, professional, Christ-based services, it would be our pleasure to come alongside you. Thank you, know, you so you know, much. Today, today in America is... Uh, and this weekend is, how, how do you say it exactly, national? Uh, Sanctity for Human Life. Sanctity for Human Life. And so it's very important that we just partner with people like Alpha Center and Jen and others who are saying, we're here to help on a front line crisis situation. Would you just thank Jen for what she does and for the Alpha Center? Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Bless you. You know, that's, that's powerful when churches like us can partner with ministries and agencies like this. And that's my second point. If you're taking notes, there is power in partnership. There's real power when you say, hey, let's join hands. Let's link arms. 
let's be partners in this. And let's get real about it. Let's do something about it. And that's exactly what Paul does. And listen to what he says as after he says, man, when I think of you guys in Philippi, I give thanks to God. Then he says this in verse 4. He says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my what? Partners. There's that word. In spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it all the way up until now. I, I don't know why, but when I hear the word partner, I, I sort of go country. Like, howdy, partner. I don't know why. Do any of you do that, or is that just something I grew up with? I don't know why. But I, I just, I, it's fun for me to think about partners. When you think about business partnerships, some of you have had a business partner, a friend. I, my Bonnie, man, we've been together since we were teenagers in high school, and she's my greatest friend and partner. And so I can't imagine my life without her. Then I have other partners like our staff here at Timberline, deep friendships through all these years, our deacon team, which I love and respect and appreciate here at Timberline Church, our whole volunteer uh, army of thousands of people around here, and you guys who come weekly and you've invested in your part of the vision of Timberline and what we do and what we're going for. This matters. And when what we can do together, we just can't do individually. There's just no way that any one person can do all this. I sat on Thursday morning with about 20 to 30 pastors from all across Fort Collins, because it's called FCCN, Fort Collins Church Network, and we pray for you and we pray for our city once a month. And it's usually the third Thursday of each month. And we just say, we're just going to come together and pray. How many of you realize that other churches are not our competition? <laughs> right? And, and at all. Matter of fact, there's really only one church in the world. And if we really have that heart and we really live that out, then we have a lot of partners. And it's, it's influential. It's powerful what the church can do if we can be in unity and walk together and pay attention to what God is putting on our plate. Um, why did Jesus, just a, just a thought, side note, why did Jesus choose 12 guys to hang out with in ministry for three years? Did he need them? <laughs> You're like. <laughs> He's the son of God, but he needed them. He needed partners. Matter of fact, in Gethsemane, do you remember what happened? He, he said, pray. And they went to sleep. And he came back and woke them up and said, pray. I need you guys to be praying. This is critical. This is the biggest, toughest hour I've ever faced. So Jesus, if he's the son of God and he needed partnerships and friendship, then we certainly do. And these are, these are powerful moments that we need to have. Let me tell you something that's going to happen. Um, here in, a, in a, just a few months... As we get into spring, daylight saving time, probably around April, and it's going to be really fun because we're going to pick some weekends and we're going to tell you ahead of time when we're going to invite food trucks to be out here the whole weekend. Now, Fort Collins used to have like two food trucks in the whole place. Now, someone told me the other day there's more than 40. So some of you may have some. I don't know. But, but how many of you like to eat? And food trucks, I have found there's some great food in these food trucks. So rather than us trying to cook food, we want to share some meals together as it warms up. And we're going to put some more awnings out in the north lawn, tables and chairs, have some music playing out there on a nice day. Just imagine it's this service, 10 o'clock, and we have eight food trucks out there. And we say to you, look, 
instead of just rushing out of here, why don't you go buy your, your food? You can have brunch. You can have lunch. You pick what meal you want. We'll have a variety of food trucks. And then we'll put a name tag on you. You go out to the tables. Your kids can play in the park out here in the playground. And you just sit and visit and talk and get to know some people. And maybe we give a voucher. Let's say we have guests in the service and we say, we have vouchers at guest services. We're going to buy your breakfast today or your lunch today. Just go get a voucher. How many of you will become a first-time visitor multiple times? That's what I was afraid of. But how fun would it be as a church to not, and there's nothing wrong with coming to church and leaving, but just a few times in the summer to sit outside, to relax, to enjoy people, maybe hear where they grew up and what it was like for them, and get a little deeper. This idea came to me after I was talking to two couples who had become very good friends. And I said, how did you guys become friends? And you know what they told me? They said, at the Timberline Playground. I said, what do you mean? Were you swinging on a swing together or what? They said, no, our kids were all playing on the playground. You've done a really bad thing here. I said, what do you mean? They said, we can never leave church. We always have to take our kids out to the playground, especially when it's warm, obviously, and let them play for a while. And so their kids were playing, our kids were playing, and we ended up becoming really good friends. And I thought, let's just design some ways for us as a church to have a meal together, to go buy some food, to sit outside, sit on the lawn, bring a blanket, enjoy some music. We might have some summer concerts, just things a little different. Why? Because we need some partners. And you need to be known. Dick and Ruth Foth just wrote a book called Known. It's a powerful book. I've read it. We have it, I think, for sale if you want it. And the, the whole premise of the book is somebody needs to know you. There's a need in us to be known by somebody. And so as a church that's big, we want to get small. And we want you to feel like you are known and you are celebrated and someone knows your name. What does it take to get to know someone? It takes an event like that. Spending some time together, a shared experience. Let's do what we need to do to make that happen. Number three, got to keep moving. Number three in your notes. All right, what does it mean to finish strong? What does it mean to say, not only will I start something, but I'm going to finish something? Because Paul has a, a word for the church in Philippi that he's going to give them about this. I like to start new projects. And I'm not bad at finishing them. I'm probably average because I just lose interest sometimes. Sometimes I start them prematurely and I think, ah, why did I do that? You know what I'm saying? But, but sometimes it's hard to finish. It's easy to start stuff, but what does it mean to finish them? In verse 6, there's this incredible verse that, as a kid, I memorized this in the King James, which is always a problem now, because I don't read much out of the King James. And so I don't know if I want to re-memorize everything else in the translations that I have now. But I do love this. Listen, verse 6, Philippians 1. And I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. How many of you know that verse? It's a good one, isn't it? That's on a few walls in people's houses. I'm going to finish what I started in you. That's a promise that we have that Paul says, that's my hope for you, that you'll be able to finish what you started. You know, I I was thinking about this, and my mind does this, okay? Does God have like a checklist for Northrop of all the things I'm supposed to accomplish while I'm on the earth? Like, okay, if I could see it, it would be my name. Here's all the things God has, expectations that before I'm finished, 
these are the things I'm supposed to accomplish. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and I don't think he does. I think with the fact that we have free will means I get to choose and pick, but I want to be led by the Spirit. So I know there's some ways and times when God wants to use my personality, my gift set for his glory, just like he wants to use yours. He does have a plan for your life. Matter of fact, in Psalm 37, another verse that many of you have memorized, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So there's power in knowing that God is really, he's connected to me and he knows my, my, my steps and he's called me to serve in certain ways and he's delighting in that. And what does it mean to actually be led by the Spirit so that I can trust my God? Number four, in your outline, I put traits that expand the kingdom of God. The, there are three traits that I'm going to have you write down in just a second that actually will help us as a church expand the borders of the kingdom in northern Colorado. If we do these, I promise there will be people added to the kingdom. I guarantee you. If we do these, uh, our church will be enriched with new life and new families because there's just so much opportunity that God has for these. So three things that I want to share with you that really matter. A is this, awareness of the opportunities. I have to be aware. And you say, well, that's, that's easy. No, it isn't. I think it's the toughest one of the three. You know why? Because you're doing life. You, you've got a schedule tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, You've got stuff on your calendar. You've got an agenda. You're going somewhere. You've got a job. You've got responsibilities. You can't just wake up every day and say, la, 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 where will the spirit blow me today? No. And so what happens is we lose the sense of awareness that God really might have a divine appointment in that day. Lord, open our eyes. How many opportunities do I blow by on a daily basis? I'm convicted by this. It's, it's caused me, I don't know if you took my challenge from last weekend with the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday thing, but I've been doing that and, and I'm telling you, it has really wrecked me because <laughs> I've, I've had to stop and pay attention to what I'm working on today, what I'm focusing on and how I can be aware of the opportunities all around me. And I can't say that some big life-changing moment has happened because of my awareness, but I know this. I've had at least three or four different conversations than I would have had had I not been aware. But I've been, I've been thinking about being aware a lot more. Don't let it be spooky, but be led by the Spirit. And then B in your outline is, is a huge one. If I'm aware, then willingness to respond becomes the next big quest. Because I can know something and know that I should step into a conversation and, and not do it because I'm afraid. You know, it's not easy. It's the wrong person. It's the wrong setting. I don't have time. I have to leave. There's tons of reasons. So if I have an awareness and then I am not slow to respond, I, I do wonder sometimes if God goes, man, you're slow. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. <laughs> it took me to a little clip in a movie called Zootopia. Have you guys ever heard of that movie? When they go into the Department of Motor Vehicle, and who's behind the counter? Sloths. And, and there's this little bunny that's in a big hurry. And the bunny's like, hurry, 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 hurry. And the sloths just can't 
hurry. This, this clip is only two minutes, but it's going to feel like 45 minutes. So get ready. I want you to take a look at this. <laughs> oh, that is a funny clip. And I, I do, sometimes I wonder, like, if God in heaven ever, ever looks at my life, I'll just use me as an example. And he's like, man, I've taken two years to set up this divine appointment in this moment. And I'm like, ooh. I'm like so slow to see it. I'm so slow to respond. I don't get it. And God's like, oh, look at what am I going to do with you? I'm thankful for his patience with us, aren't you? But I, I promise you, God has moments in your life that he has set up divine appointments. And as you walk in him, and you don't have to live worried about this or anxious. That's not the point. The point is awareness and this idea of saying, I'm willing. So I'm going to walk through the doors that are open. And that takes us to the last point is the discipline then to follow through. The discipline to say, you know, yes, I'm aware. And yes, I'm willing. And so I'm going to step into this situation and I'm going to, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God for this, for this moment to pay attention. And sometimes it will be very, very powerful, and sometimes it will just be super simple. I, I, I'm going to tell you one of those powerful times, because I don't have very many of them in my life. I was at Sturges on my motorcycle. This was years ago, and I haven't been to Sturges in years, but I, I was filling up my motorcycle with uh, fuel, at a gas station, just I was just by myself, um, and a, a young guy, probably 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there, was hot. He, he comes in in a sleeveless T-shirt, tatted up, all very biker guy, and and um, and I'm just putting gas in my bike, and I, I I feel this prompting of the spirit, and I'm like, this can't be God talking to me. I'm at Sturges, you know. But there was this prompting in my heart that said, that young man right there needs you to tell him something. And this is what I want you to tell him. I want you to tell him that there's a lot of sorrow that he has had because of his earthly father and the relationship that's never existed on this earth. But he has a heavenly father who believes in him and loves him and wants to know him. And I thought about it for a minute and, and, and went, no. I'm not going to say that to somebody I don't even know, especially in this environment, in this moment. Who knows what could happen there? So I argue with God. How many of you know what that's like? Yeah, you never win. And so finally I just thought, okay, I'm never going to see this guy again. And so I got done, moved my bike, walked over to him, and I just said, hey, I, I don't know. This is really random. And I don't know if you're a person of faith or not, but I am. And I feel like God's put something in my heart just to say to you. It's just a statement. It doesn't ask anything of you. Do you want to hear what it is? Because I'm good either way. <laughs> kind of hoping he would say, no, get lost. And I'd be, so yeah. <clears throat> but I was quite a bit bigger than him, so I felt good about that at least. <laughs> but I, I did. I, I just said, hey, here's, here's the message. I feel like God's just prompted me that he knows how messed up your relationship is with your earthly father and he's a father that loves you and wants to know you and he, he looked at me and he said do you know my dad and I said no I don't know anything about you I don't know I don't know you know, I'll never see you again and he started to cry 
tears just came busting out of his eyes. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. I didn't, I didn't really want to get involved in somebody's life here. You know, I'm just getting gas at the station, right? So he ends up moving his bike. We go to the side. He begins to tell me a little bit of the story of this horrible relationship with his dad. And now he's, he's always longed for a father. And I got to pray over him. I don't know what happened. I didn't get his contact information. I don't know. But I just know that I was one player of probably many who felt a prompting. So, you know, the next time I'm filling up my bike with gas, I'm like, who needs a word from the Lord? <laughs> That's never happened to me since. And probably because I'm not listening enough. But God has a message for you today and he loves you and he believes in you and he wants us as a church to find the prodigals, to find the lost and to do everything in our power to bring them home. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, this stuff really matters in the kingdom. What we hear, how we respond, what we do with it, it all matters. And this year, we just want to turn up the sensitivity level. We want to throw some new antennas up and say, wow, let me hear what's going on out there in that divine realm. We need that, Lord. I trust you. With heads bowed in here, I'm praying two things over you today. And you can respond or not, but I want you to just be honest in your heart. I, I felt like God would prompt me to say, pray for people who have some things in their life they need to finish. It could be relational financial, physical. I don't know what that means to you when I say, you go, I have some unfinished business that I need to take care of. And that doesn't mean today. It doesn't mean you run out and mess something up. It means you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to pray over you and we're going to agree with you that you're going to have a plan. You're going to have wisdom to finish something that hasn't been finished and it needs to be finished in this year. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand? You know, God's talking to you. Okay. Lord, Thank you for these hands for my brothers and sisters. We pray for them as a family that you will finish this, that this will be a year when they can't imagine it, but you will give them the insight they need, the opportunity they need to finish this. I pray over them and we agree in the name of Jesus. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you that feel like something is starting in your heart. You don't know what to do with it. It could just be family stuff or business stuff or whatever it is. It's like this new something. And this year you can't put your finger on it, but God's starting something in you. I want to pray that that would come to fruition. I would pray that, that God would give you the insight you need to see that happen in your life, your marriage, your kids' lives, whatever it is. But something new is beginning and you know it. Would you raise your hand if that's you? I just want to pray over you. Okay, Lord, thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for a fresh start that you would say to, to my brothers and sisters, we would agree together for them that whatever this is, the nudge of God, that it would be powerful and it would be strong and it would be blessed by you. Keep it moving forward for your glory. And Lord, for anyone that's separated from you in this room right now, I just pray they would come home to the Father that loves them and believes in them. We trust you today. We give all this to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen.